I'm Dr. Ben Rall. Do you know where the most amazing doctor lives? You may be surprised to learn that it's actually right inside of you. Yet, today's healthcare model is built on a foundation that the greatest doctor instead comes in the form of pills, potions, lotions, even surgery. So listen in, because what if the majority of what you have been told about health and healing is not only wrong, but actually harmful to you? One thing is for sure, when you work with your body and not against it, you'll begin to discover that you are in fact designed to heal. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Designed to Heal. We have a special guest with us today, uh, practicing, you know, kind of a family holistic healthcare. There's really not a day. Matter of fact, it just happened this morning. I had a patient who had a little kiddo that was sick, and she's frustrated with the traditional healthcare model. So she's asking me, hey, you know, who do you know anybody that I can see? And so I'm always trying to find good doctors, good referrals, uh, pediatricians and family practice doctors. Unfortunately, they are, they can be hard to find. And so when I do find one, even when they're not in, in, in Florida or somewhere else, I like to get you connected because I think that it just makes people know, hey, I'm not crazy. There's open-minded, like-minded, you know, medical freedom, uh, minded physicians out there of all types. And so although we wish there were more, um, there, there's, there are some. And so when we find them, we want to bring them to you. And today we have one of the, to me, almost a little bit of a unicorn. It's harder, in my opinion, it's hard to find uh, open-minded, holistic-minded, uh, and I'm not wanting to put words in her mouth, but pediatricians. But we have one with us today, uh, Dr. Angie Farella. She practices in Texas, and she's going to tell us a little bit about her world, her background, and her practice. But welcome to the show, Dr. Angie. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, will you do our listeners a favor? Tell us just a little bit about your journey, your story, who you are, and, and you're a pediatrician. And I know you practice, you have your own practice, which is already a great start for people that are looking for doctors. I try, try to find one out of the traditional system a little bit, but tell us about yourself. Yeah, well, um, I've been a pediatrician, like you said, for over 25 years. I've owned my own practice now for over 20 years. Wow. Um, it was a solo practice until a solo single specialty practice. So that's a mouthful to say, which basically means we were only pediatrics okay. up until uh, the year 2020. Um, when the pandemic hit, what I found very disturbing and also unique in a weird way yeah. was that I was like the only doctor's office that was open in our mm. area. Mm. We are surrounded um, in our area. We're kind of unique. We have, um, we're called like the second medical center because Houston, Texas is not too far from us. It's about 30 miles away. Okay. And that's the Mecca medical center, right? In right. Texas, everyone goes to either Houston or Dallas. Um, we happen to be outside of Houston. And then our little area is what they call the secondary medical center because it is another area highly concentrated in a town called Webster okay. where we have lots of university systems um, there. So, you know, here comes uh, the pandemic of 2020 in March of mm. 2020. And um, you know, the kids were fine. They were all out of school, you know, right, but yeah. we weren't getting any calls, but I continued to go to work, you know, because I'm essential. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm going to work, but the phone's not ringing. People are not coming in. Okay. It's eerie on the roads because I'm the only one on the road, which made the commute to work very pleasant. Um, <laughs> but what we started finding very shortly after that was that there was no care for anyone, no no long-term care or chronic care 
for anyone in our community because the doctors decided to close down, which I thought was ridiculous. So the university systems closed down their outpatient clinics. Um, And a lot of our docs in our area are what we call employed, Mm -hmm. institutionalized uh, doctors. And um, so in our area, the independents were open, but there's very few of us left. Mm. (laughs) So um, I was open, you know, and so I started getting on Facebook and just telling people, Hey, look, you know, don't stay home and suffer. You know, we're here, we're open, come on in, we'll take care of you. We will take care of your chronic um, meds and things like that. So kind of went into family medicine right then and there, because that's where the problem was, was Mm. that these, um, people could not get their refills on their medication. They could not get um, someone to take care of, you know, a simple laceration. They could not get um, someone to take care of, you know, an adjustment to their, to their blood pressure medication or something like that, you know, just very simple everyday medical things. And, um, and so that's kind of what happened, you know, people still get sick during a pandemic that isn't related to the pandemic. Um, and so we were, you know, we, we just stayed open. So we started providing um, all kinds of different services at that particular moment. And um, we um, chose to do what we promised that we were going to do via our oath, you know, which yeah. was to first do no harm and secondarily care, take care of patients. I mean, that's, that's what I did. Um, was it, were you, were you early on like doc? I mean, I know every kind of has, some people had different journeys on this. Were you very early being like, this doesn't make sense. I mean, you know, here you are in a city of, you know, millions of people. I was just with some people this weekend from the Houston area and they were actually talking about just how big the city is, but actually they were talking about how, what a medical city, you know, Houston is and things, but were you, were you scratching your head? Like, you know, this why are people acting like this? Were you onto it early? Have you always been an outside of the box thinker? Um, or, I mean, clearly to some level having your own practice, you know, that tells me a little bit about you, but, um, or were you kind of, did you, did you, did you fall for it for a while or what was your journey? No. Um, so initially I was trying to think through it very logically, like yeah. the, way, <laughs> the way we doctors do. Right. Yeah. So we, I sat down and I said, okay, do they know something we don't know? Right. So in my brain, you know, when they said, Oh, two weeks to flatten the curve, the first thing that popped in my head was, do they know that this is some kind of weird virus? Cause it was a coronavirus. So I'm like, that's the common cold. I know coronavirus. Um, but I was like, maybe this is just something different. You know, is this acting like chicken pox? Okay. So, you know, here's my brain, right? So I'm going to chicken pox um, process. So chicken pox will incubate for 14 to 21 days before it shows any kind of symptomology. So that was where I was going. Right. I'm like, okay, well maybe they think it's going to incubate. If we do that and we stop that, then you would actually, you could actually see a kill off or or stop it. Yeah. So, right. You, you hold everyone from spreading it day after day and then everyone gets sick on day 14 to 21. We wipe it out by day 30 and we're over and finished. Like that was my brain. Okay. So I was like, well, maybe they know more than us, but I still thought this is really weird. Why would you close down the outpatient clinics? Mm -hmm. This doesn't make any sense to me. And then I started getting angry. (laughs) So I went from, huh, this is really weird to full, full out anger and very disgust in my community, um, medical community. Okay. um, Because, you know, basically I'm mopping up their mess. Right. Yeah. And, and I was very frustrated because I felt so bad for these patients. And at the same time, 
just shortly before this time, there was a horrible flood in Louisiana. And so a lot of people from Louisiana actually um, came over to this area to escape the flooding. And because there's no housing out there, they were here. So now we have this other influx of population that didn't have doctors anymore, Mm. right? Their doctors got wiped out. And so this was another thing that was going on pretty much simultaneously with this because natural disasters happen. And in, in the Southern part of the United States, you know, in Texas, especially, you know, Hurricane Harvey really knocked out a couple of our local communities. So I had been familiar with this. Um, and when it happened in, in Lake Charles, Louisiana, I was like, Oh no, here we go. You know, because it takes a couple of years to recover. And we were just kind of recovering from the whole Harvey fiasco when this happens. Were you, were you, were the people, were you getting any kickback? You know, I know some, some docs, usually it's the more traditional, you know, uh, in the holistic world, there were little, they kind of expect it from us. But when somebody like you stands up, were you getting kickback or grief from your medical community locally, or were they leaving you alone? Or were you getting the, you know, the, (laughs) well, honestly, I I don't even really know because I was too busy worrying Mm. about patient care to really give a flip what everyone else thought, except unless they reached out and said, Hey, we, I had a friend, honest to goodness, who saw what I was doing because I'm on Facebook. I'm like, don't stay home and suffer. We'll treat you. Come yeah. on in. Blah, blah, blah. We're not afraid of you. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And, um, and she calls me and she said, Angie, I really need to help you. I know what you're doing. Okay. And I was like, you know, and of course I kind of was taken aback. Like, yeah. um, I'm sorry. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So go on. Yeah. yeah carry on. Yeah. yeah right. Right. I had no idea. You know, I had no idea that anyone even knew what I was doing. I had no, cause I, my nose was to the grindstone. I was taking care of patients in the height of the pandemic, in the middle of the, you know, right in the beginning of the summer, I had gotten a protocol from another friend who I reached out to because what I found absolutely frustrating and amazing at the same time was that very few allopathic physicians were telling patients what to do other than stay home Yeah. And wait until you're blue in the face before you go to the ER, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and so, you know, I was on Facebook. This is, you know, pre-sensor, yeah. thank goodness. Right. And one of, I, I, I found a couple of docs online that were going, no, this, this doesn't have to happen. All we have to do is this, this, and this. Sure. And so I reached out to, I reached out to these people and one of them actually got back with me pretty immediately and said, here you go. This is what we're doing. What are you doing? And I'm like, I'm a pediatrician. I don't even know what the heck I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm just doing what I know to do. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I looked to my internal medicine and family medicine brethren at that point to really help me navigate um, the whole COVID thing, especially with blood pressure issues and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that being said, you know, that's how my, that's how I kind of jumped in on the whole weird pandemic thing. And I knew it was a bonk. You know, I kept saying, this is ridiculous. I don't understand this. Doctors don't sit in the corner and suck their thumbs. We had a pandemic in 2017 of the Spanish flu, but no one wore masks and no one hid in the corner and shut down their outpatient clinics and said, you can't do business, close school. Yeah, never. Right. So were you, so one of the things that you, that you are an expert in though is children, right? Obviously (laughs) done this for a while. Um, And so when I was, I was watching as I was getting prepared, you know, watching, 
you speak out, it looked at like some sort of, you know, judicial kind of, you know, some sort of state hearings or school boards, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, you were so, I was, I just was, it was, I really enjoyed watching you because I could just feel your, your passion and your, um, the more doctors I've gotten to know in the traditional that stood up during this time, there's kind of a common thread, it seems like, where they just, it's this tension between just frustration, like, you know, come on, let's just look at the facts in front of us people. And, you know, but also speaking against the fear. And so I just, you were so adamant. You were like, I'm going to say this again. It's a survival rate for children, 99.997. Right. And, um, and it's just like, yet here we were in the midst of that. And like you also said in there, I think, you know, kids were actually a buffer. Kids are, are part of actually ending transmission at them just because of how, how well they handle it. It really can end with them. Not actually, they're not death vectors like they were told they were going to kill grandma. Um, so can you tell us, you know, cause then that area, you really do have authority to speak in as a pediatrician. What were you just losing your mind as a, a pediatrician, watching them shut schools down, mask up kids, you know, then God goodness, telling these kids to get jabbed. And you brought up some such important points. These meds, these drugs had, or these jabs had never been tested on that age group yet were being recommended or even mandated in there. So why don't you, will you get on your soapbox for a second regarding kids and COVID and just let it rip? Dr. Ben, you might be in trouble. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. We like that. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. So, so, yeah, you know, we knew. Now, anyone at that time in early, you know, in March, you know, I heard about a virus in China in November of 2019. Okay. okay? It was on the news. And 10 people in a small province of, I'll, I'll never forget this, oh. in Wuhan, China, had this mysterious virus, right? And and I I heard it through the side of my, you know, one mm-hmm. of my ear. The TV was in the background. We were homeschooling our kids, so we were getting the kids prepped up. And I I stopped. I was like, hold the phone. I told my husband, rewind that. I need to hear that story again. Oh wow. And so we rewound it and I heard that and I said, who cares about 10 people mm. in a country of like eight bajillion, right? Mm. So then I said, oh, something's up. And my hackles went up. I immediately said to my husband, something's going on. I don't know what it is, but we're one plane ride away from disaster if this is true. Mm -hmm. Okay. Ironically, I got on, I was actually flying to Los Angeles in February of 2020 to go to a conference. And I hadn't flown in, I don't even know how many years, but I got on a plane and I flew to Los Angeles and lo and behold, do you remember that plane that was quarantined in Los Angeles? That was you? That was next to me. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself in Los Angeles now, wouldn't this be a kicker mm. that this crazy virus infects me and I bring it home to Houston? Okay. Like I'm thinking the whole time I'm in LA, right? Mm. And I'm like, what are the chances of me getting on an airplane and the plane next to us is basically yeah. completely quarantined because of it came in from China? So, um, I didn't get it though. So that was good. Um, but you know, it was just kind of one of these things where I just kept getting a forehead slap, yeah. right? Where God's showing you the way, like, Hey, pay attention. Bam. Hit in the back of your head. Yeah. Hit you again. Yeah. Crazy so, that you remember that news story. I mean, I just think about, I, I mean, that is really, it really is fascinating. I mean, you're, you're either a prophetic right, or God was just saying, Hey, I'm going to need you to, to listen up. It was, that's quite weird, crazy. Yeah. it was the weirdest thing because you know, I've been, I've been taught to kind of pay attention to the media and decipher what they tell you 
for many, many years, ironically, through the American Academy of Pediatrics. They did a workshop many, many years ago. I'm talking over probably 15, 20 years ago. And I happened to go to this workshop about, it was called Media Matters. And how do you how do you decipher what the media is trying to tell you in their 30 seconds, right? So I, I learned to turn my ears on to certain things. And so that's that spiked right there. I was like, oh, we got to pay attention. And so... You know, when March came around, I'm like, okay, either they're hiding. And here's the weird thing. Here I am waiting for, you know, some massive thing that says, you know, this virus, you know, this is what it is, you know, and and nothing really came down through the medical channels, Mm. you know, that that usually notify us of, Mm. you know, this is the protocols, this is what you do, blah, blah, blah. Nothing came through. It was silence. It was absolute cricketville. Mm. And I, um... So I started doing my deep dives on, on SARS-CoV-1 and then Ebola. Because I'm like, well, you know what? Let me just, and, and coronaviruses. So as I'm doing my little just web searches, literally, like anyone could do this. This sure. was not, this is not rocket science, right? I'm going through this and I find, okay, it's an mRNA virus. Well, what else is an mRNA virus? Well, guess what? It's influenza. Mm. So in my head, now this is me formulating my own protocols in case of disaster, because I had no patients at this point. There were no patients that were even close to being sick in, in, in my area at that point. And, I, and I'm like, oh, okay, you know what? If worse comes to worse, I'm going to try some anti-flu medication. All right, so I have a few of those in my pocket. Zafluza, Tamiflu, Amantadine, you know, whatever. I'm going to, uh, you know, that's if in my needed, back pocket. needed, yeah, you got something you feel you Right, can it's do in your back them. pocket. I'm, I've been, um, and then I, so I'm, I'm looking at this whole thing and what did they, what did they treat Ebola with? What did they treat? And so some of the things were IV remdesivir was on there and I'm like, well, that's going to knock us out because we're not doing IVs Mm-mm. and and we can't do that. That's in a hospital setting only. And there was a few other medications that I was like, this is really stupid, but guess what popped up was hydroxychloroquine mm. and also ivermectin came up and I'm like, huh. Well, ivermectin, we use in pediatrics all the time mm. for lice. Mm. <laughs> lice and scabies, yay. Um, and so I was like, oh, totally can use ivermectin in kids. Mm. Hydroxychloroquine, in our area, we have a lot of missionaries that, mm. that go overseas. So I wrote for chloroquine in the past, and um, so no big deal. I'm like, oh, that's easy. I could, that's good, back pocket, right? Yeah. And then... Um, you know, and then I'm looking at the kids. So in China, so where do you look? You look in China, right? Because China is where the outbreak was. So I look in China and the studies are showing that kids were actually protective. There were multiple studies at that particular time that showed that children had less of a transmission rate than adults, even if their mother was infected. So they said if a mom was infected in the household, then the ch- that was a, a higher risk for a child to get Sure. Which makes sense, right? Moms hug on their babies yeah. and that makes sense. But the transmission rate was actually pretty low. Mm. It, 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 it wasn't a guarantee. It wasn't like mom's sick, therefore child gets sick. Yeah. That wasn't at all. Symptomatically, yeah. Right. It, it, they just didn't. Yeah. The kids were fine. There were very yeah. few so children. Fa- it was so fascinating watching that. Just, you know, just to me... You know, Doc, it's always amazing, you know, as a side note, but I think people don't realize this. And I think, you know, you being in it every day with just with sick people and sick families and kiddos, it's like people don't really appreciate 
often just the innate immune system that God has given us, right? We, we have this real, sometimes it's just real negative, like, you know, as if there, as if every germ that we ever come in contact with will make us sick no matter what. It's just not how it works. Thank goodness it's not how it works, right? Well, yeah. And, um, and yeah, sure, of course, I'm not saying go around licking toilets and, and coughing each other's faces, <laughs> but that we, we so much underappreciate uh, just this, the, the innate God-given immune system. And matter of fact, the irony is that we do a really good job of messing it up. And then we blame, you know, we blame the virus or the bacteria more than, you know, the things that we did to, to run down our health, if you will. But uh, it was really fascinating watching. And then you, again, being a pediatrician, you're seeing this in real time and going, hey, mom and dad are sick, but these kids are doing okay. So it must've been, um, yeah, I can't imagine kind of being in your seat. Well, it was, it was just a very bizarre um, situation because my, my families, the parents were calling and saying, you know, the kids are fine, but I'm sick or grandma sick or aunt sick or neighbor sick or friend sick or whatever. And I'm like, that's fine. I'll take care of them. Just tell them to come on. And so, so we built a, a family medicine practice really because the parents knew that they had communication with us. And so they were calling mm. saying, Hey, you know, we can't get in touch with our doctor. Um, and we went to the ER and they told us to go home and did nothing, which drove me insane. Did you guys do and good so, taking care of your, all your people? Did you guys have like, I mean, oh, like all the docs, everybody said great, did great. And you know, we had, <laughs> okay. So we, um, you know, there's some silver linings of COVID as I'd like to call it. Right. So there, you know, telemedicine, we were already set up for telemedicine since 2017, so that was a blessing on my part. We, we had that already set up. It was no big deal for me to jump on and mm. get people connected. So that was not a big deal. It was very seamless actually. Um, so we jumped on to telemedicine for some people. The PrEP Act allowed us to start treating patients out of state. Mm. It was amazing because what had happened was there were some states that completely right. shut people out. And I, and, I, and I mean this, honestly, like this is... Um, medical malfeasance yeah. and medical um, malpractice. I agree. These patients were calling us. I don't even know how they found us, honest to goodness. We had people calling us from Alaska, from Wyoming, <laughs> from from California, from Kansas. We single-handedly probably treated like half of the state of Kansas <laughs> because Kansas shut completely down and said, absolutely not. We will not treat COVID patients, which was the most bizarre thing I ever heard. We were, we were hearing from people from New York, New Jersey, you know, all the Northeastern states, people were calling. Um, we found great mom and pop shops locally. Mm. I, I literally walked into one of our pharmacies early on in the pandemic. And I said, and I asked to speak with the pharmacist and he owns his little pharmacy in there. And I said, Hey, um, do you have a problem? You know, fulfilling some of the prescriptions I might write. Mm. And he looked at me like I was kind of crazy. And I said, well, in particular, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Yeah. And he said, no, why would I have a problem fulfilling your yeah. prescriptions? I said, thank you. You and I are going to save the world. Pretty <laughs> much and, um, and he, and I said, prepare yourself to get really, mm, really mm, busy. Mm. And, and we just, and, and he actually had the capability of shipping medication out of state. Mm. Um, and so, you know, he and I were, were partners in crime in that part because it was just like, we had to treat people. People were sick. Doc, do you have a, pers you know? do you have a perspective? I mean, on why, I mean, I know it's maddening and, and like you said, and you know, they just shut them down. I mean, 
I don't, to me, it's not conspiracy stuff, but do you have like, why, like, what do you think was, was really going on? Do you have a, a, a an answer or a thought on that or an opinion on that? As, as far as just um, how is just like, if I write this, the light switch, everybody, sh- like they all went along with this, like lockstep so fast, like you said, with very limited, um, you know, very limited information in to justify that at that point. Right. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you weren't hearing anything, you know, just through the medical channels you would expect to hear. Um, it just was so crazy. It was like, everybody was getting the same newspaper, you know, the same, you know, now you being a little bit of an outsider, meaning having your own practice, you don't have to do those things, but any of your friends or colleagues that were on the inside, you know, that were working more in the system mm-hmm. institutionalized, like they just, was it fear? Was it, was it, you know, nefarious? Was it, what was it? That, that they I, went I, along, think, yeah. I think a lot of this was just, they got so, this is just, of course, my humble yeah, opinion, yeah. because honestly, I can't walk around in people's heads, but I can honestly tell you that my, um, I didn't get a lot of backlash because I think I'm one of those people that people stood back, physicians stood back and said, you know what? We wish we could say what she's saying. Mm. We, you know, but our silence is complaint complacency. Right. So they were complacent because you, you know, it's like a dog. He's not going to bite his owner if he's feeding him. Right. Mm. So a lot of these people, you know, I'm sure at one point the hospitals turned on them and said, you, you can't do this. You know, we're doing it this way. This is the way we're going to do it. Despite the fact that in their own consciousness, they probably should know that this is wrong. Mm. Um, it, it just, you know, when you keep doing, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like the definition of uh, schizophrenic, right? You keep mm. doing the same thing, expecting different results. And that's what exactly what was happening in the hospitals. And I'm just sitting there going, what in the world? is going on here. This does not make any sense. I mean, all of a sudden, so if you looked at February of 2020, if you went to the ER with um, a cough and wheezing, you would get at least an inhaler, some steroids, and probably a Z-Pak, right? Whether or not, I mean, that was just a blanket. That's pretty much, I mean, I can ask 10 adults, if you went to the ER with a cough, what do you think you'd walk out with? And they'd all tell me a, a Medro dose pack, a um, inhaler probably and a Z pack like all the time. Right. So then what switched from February of 2020 to let's just say May or June of 2020, where you come in with a cough and a bronchitic type situation and they turn you away and say, I'm sorry, we can't do anything for you. Like what in the world, why would you not treat that patient with some steroids and an inhaler and maybe a Z-Pack. I mean, you were doing that for years and years and years, and now all of a sudden you can't do that. As a matter of fact, this is this is how broad-based horror show this was. At one point, when we were trying to prescribe albuterol, which is a bronchodilator, you can put it in a nebulizer, or you can use it in an inhaled form, um, like an inhaler, a little puffer, um, and azithromycin. Do you know that we got flagged? And they said that they could not fulfill those prescriptions because those were treatments for COVID that they said they were not allowed to dispense. I was was like, are you, are you, have you lost your freaking mind? (laughs) I mean, I can't tell you how many times I told the, I personally went toe to toe with pharmacists at big 
you know, big pharmacies. Yeah. We're talking about, you know, the ones that are for health and wellness, but they sell beer <laughs> right down the way. Yeah, yeah that one. Yeah, that one. Um, <laughs> those, those types. Uh, these people were telling me that they couldn't dispense it because that's a treatment for COVID that is not approved. And I said, how do you, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't even know what I'm prescribing for. You're assuming what I'm, what I'm doing that. And I said, and you're not a physician. You can't tell me what's best for my, my patient. And Oh, by the way, if you are telling me that you're not going to dispense the medication that I am prescribing, I will report you to your board Mm. because I was done. I was finished. I said, you know what? And you know what? You're going to report me. So guess what? <laughs> I'm going to report you too. <laughs> yeah. Let's go for it. Wow. And I mean, so we it, had to do this. Yeah. You know, Doc, it's still like, you know, I know <laughs> I just, it's just fun talking to you, but you know, <laughs> for you, it's just, you know, and I, and I'm similar. So, I mean, I'm just a natural challenger person. And so it's not, it doesn't intimidate me. It doesn't, it doesn't, if anything, it kind of fuels me. So I don't mind it, but I know not everybody's cut like that, right? Not everybody's <laughs> going to pick up the phone and have those conversations like, like you are. And let me ask you something. This is a little bit of a change, but I want to, because I have you on and because you are a pediatrician, um, and I don't know what your answers will be to this, but I'm just curious because, you know, I, what has been hard for me, what's hard for me with patients, cause I'm such a believer in, you know, I think, I think parents, especially when it comes to their kids, I always tell them, I say, Hey, you're their greatest, you're their greatest doctor. You live with them. You know, what's nor you know, when it's different, you know, when it's weird. Right. I always want patients to feel empowered and not like live in so much fear. And, you know, sometimes parents have been put in so much fear, especially new parents. And I get it. Right. I mean, I've got two kiddos mm-hmm. and first kid, it's like, Oh my gosh, their first sniffle, you think they're going to die, you know, and uh, <laughs> you know, and everybody, you know, and, and, and then of course, overuse of antibiotics. And, you know, I just had a little girl just as an example. And, and I want to ask your opinion on this or just kind of give your thoughts and maybe uh, just maybe help some parents rest assured on certain things. But, um, you know, they don't have to lower every fever with a drug. They don't have to give a antibiotic for every ear infection or thought. Of, I had this one little girl. She'd recently, I had met her, the parents that had a really bad experience. And it wasn't even with a pediatrician. It was just at the traditional kind of, you know, they went to the, it was a suspected ear infection. I mean, it was just the classic doc, right? They went in and somebody said, oh, we think they might have an ear infection. Gave her a 10-day antibiotic. This little girl destroyed her guts. Then, it, you know, massive constipation issues. And then it was, it was so bad, doc. They were going to, they wanted to, I can't even, I never, honestly, I'd never heard this before. They were going to Botox her, her anus, right? And I was like, and, and then, but of course it was no question that, you know, of course you needed this antibiotic for this ear infection. It wasn't even an ear infection, you know, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not asking you to doctor over the airwaves here. I just simply mean, can you be, give us some like just rational, I've got some other holistic pediatrician friends mm-hmm. they just, I don't want to, you know, just, it's okay for parents. If you, you know, you don't have to feel pressured to drug every symptom and stop every cough. And you know what I mean? Like kids get sick. My kids get sick. They got boogers. You know, it's okay to treat it naturally. It's okay just to watch and wait. It's okay to just let them rest. What's your take on all that stuff? Well, we may not agree on everything, but what's your take on that? Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right. I think kids are super resilient. I always tell, I always tell parents, watch, they bounce. Mm-hmm. Um, cause kids do, they bounce, they bounce back super easy, you know? And, um, so a few, a few little personal yeah. tips yeah. That I tell my new parents are, Number one, you know, try to avoid drugs at all costs. You know, let's use, I'm a probiotic freak, okay? Mm -hmm. I start probiotics as early as two weeks of age um, for mommies that- Breastfed or not. Yeah, both, both um, ways. Breastfed or not, yeah. Yeah. No, if they had a Mm, um, C-section, those babies came out the wrong way, and so they go on probiotics, period. 
Um, so that's my protocol for a two week old that is born to a mama via C-section. Yeah. Um, and doc, just for the people that are listening, because they don't get that natural exposure, right. To mama's canal, you know, where, I mean, which again is how God designed us. I know it's, it's a fascinating, amazing thing and a little bit wild, but it's just God designed this to, and we know not, you know, things happen. Not everybody can make it through the birth canal. I'm not talking about that. Not guilty, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, there's a reason why you're saying that it's not that it's because they didn't get what they were naturally supposed to get, get that good, you know, squeeze out of the birth canal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're actually sterile. They're born sterile, and so their guts all jacked because mm-hmm. they they just did not get the good gut flora because they came out the wrong way. Mm. Um, and so we have to fix that, and that's okay. There's no big deal for that. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm one of those moms. I had a baby through a crash C-section. My very first child was a crash C-section. Mm. That was fun. You want to talk about awesome experience? Mm. Um, you know, she was a NICU baby. The whole fun. The whole thing, the whole thing. It was yeah. great. Wow. Um, <laughs> she's fine. Were you now. already she's a peed then? Were you already working? Were you already a doc? Right. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she, so, you know, this was one, this is one of my counter things is like you restore. I always told people my mantra is if you restore the core, everything falls into place. Mm. So number one, you know, from birth, you know, how were they born? Let's get that done. The second thing is you know, they're, they're a purified form, right? They are, they are our image, right? So what you want to do is you want to try to keep, you know, just like any brand new parent, right? We were always, I, I know this sounds really funny, but you, their skin is perfect, right? You don't even want to scratch them mm-hmm. by accident. Right. going to cause a scar or whatever. I mean, it was just so sure. silly, you know, but that's what we are like parents. <laughs> and so um, one of the things that I always tell parents is like, there are certain things that we, that I want you to do or don't do, um, you know, in the case of, blank. Okay. Right. So in the case of fever, the first thing I tell them is put them in the bathtub. You know, let, why don't you just let the fever do what it's supposed to do, kill yeah. off whatever it is that it's fighting. And then let's, you know, naturally yeah. don't Support shock it. the system. Just put them in the bathtub and they'll be happy there. They're not achy. Everyone takes the bathroom and you don't feel good. You mm. do the same thing. Mm. Winner and go, right? We go and lay in the bathtub. Sure. Makes you feel better. Duh. What makes it different for a kid? Mm. Absolutely mm. not. Um, you know, ear infections are just so it's the eye of the beholder, really, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. Now I've seen tens of thousands of years, you know, <laughs> over the years I've seen, I could pretty much tell an ear infection without even looking in the canal. Right. Oh, okay. So not that I don't, I'm I do, you, look in the canal. <laughs> but, but, you know, I really try to do watchful waiting yeah. as much as possible. Calm the parents down a little bit, yeah. give them things you know, for some control, I use a lot of topicals, Yeah. you know, I tell them to put topicals in the ear for comfort and things of that nature. So I do, I do use a lot of topicals. I try just to help the to, pain. I mean, just to help the kid be comfortable. Just for right? Symptoms, yeah. Right, yeah. For symptoms. And you know, if it looks really bad, but the kid doesn't have fever, you know, if it looks, sometimes they look really ugly and okay. the kid's fine and you're like, Whoa, that's weird. Yeah. Um, I will put topical antibiotics Mm. literally like drops in their ears, like mm. not give them oral. Yeah. Right. Cause the infection's there. So treat it there. Right. Don't, don't destroy the entire system. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes I do that, you know, it just kind of depends on what's yeah. going on. But for the most part, watchful waiting is number one. You know, I don't call a lot of fluid in ears, ear infections. They're not, mm. you know? So, so that's, that's just that one thing yeah, but you're yeah, right. Yeah. You know, I've been one of those people that over the years, people have, I have a whole, this little, um, it, it's like a file holder on my wall in each of my rooms. There's multiple file holders. And in these files are recipes 
So I have like a bajillion little recipes that you could do at home <laughs> that are on my wall. So when someone comes in with a snotty nose, I'm like, oh, you yeah. know what? This is how you make saline to wash out their nose. Oh, this is how you get rid of it. Ba- here's a here's a baby rash remedy. Yeah. Um, you know, which and I have all these recipes, and the parents just think. I go, look, you have to walk out of my office with a piece of paper, but it doesn't have to be a prescription. <laughs> do, you, do you, yeah, well, yeah, that's uh, uh, rare, unfortunately, but do you find that, um, you know, I, I don't know the best way to say this. I mean, there's, you hear the stories, like, you know, like you said, like what patient, pa- your patients, parents think they need something, but, you know, mm-hmm. to, like to, to treat or whatever, but, you know, knowing what you know, and then watching these kids, you know, and then being in practice as long as you have, I mean, you get to see that, um, I know some of the other holistic pediatricians that I know, they just, they say they really have a, a healthier population. And and then let me just say this, I, I imagine that you're a person that is a supporter of free choice, medical freedom, right? So right. A, par- mm-hmm. a parent that says, hey, I'm not comfortable with that drug or, or that maybe that vaccine or maybe that COVID, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Like, you know, also I just want patients to be encouraged. They may not find somebody as cool as you um, and all of that and as, and as open and as helpful, but, but ultimately they should feel empowered as the parent. You know, if, so if you have a patient that said, Hey doc, appreciate your, your input, but I'm not comfortable with that. Like that doesn't necessarily offend you. Does it, or does it? I don't know, but no, it, yeah. it honestly, you know, I, I'm, I've always told my parents, like we're a partner, you know, we're a team. We're not, it's not me dictating down to you. It's, it's, you know, because that doesn't do any, any good. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to trust each other. We have to understand you're with this kid 24 seven. I'm with the kid 10 minutes. Yeah. So you have to understand that I rely heavily on what you're going to tell me. Now, have there been some disagreements over the years? Absolutely. Oh. Oh, <laughs> um, you know, I've had, you know, in the past, you know, so, so we've had, because I'm an allopathic trained yeah. doc, right? I also trained outside the country. Um, okay. So I have a weird perspective because I've seen vaccine preventable diseases do a lot of harm. Okay. Mm, so I'm you. kind of one of those, if you read Paul Thomas's book and this is yeah. a shameful plot, yeah. um, the vaccine friendly plan, um, you know, he was in Africa. I wasn't in Africa. I was in the West Indies, mm. but you know, it's similar because literally there was one hospital on the entire Island where I was mm. And it had one respirator and that was only for surgeries mm-hmm. and they were emergency surgeries only. So, you know, just to give you a perspective. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We had Paul on the show. I love Paul. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so that is one of the things that, that I think when, when I came into medicine, um, I inherently think or was taught that not all vaccines are bad. Okay. And from my practice, I can honestly tell you that's a true statement. I do not have the high I'm a little controversial because I don't have the high rates of yeah. autism that you see in the general population. I don't have, but I think there's other things that because of the way I practice, it, it's right. been kept down. Um, I, I have a lot of imported people that right. tell me, Hey, after this shop, my kid did X. And I'm like, you know, that's completely plausible. Yeah. I wasn't there. So it's really hard for me to assess pre and post, sure. but you know what? I believe you. Yeah, I don't right. think you're crazy. Um, so we went from 2019 where, you know, we had medical exceptions for people that did not, that could not take vaccines. For instance, like if a sibling had a really severe yeah, reaction, yeah. Or had a severe reaction, absolutely not. If there were certain underlying conditions, they did not get certain vaccines. So yeah. like I was okay with all that. That was fine. Yeah. Um, and if someone had a plausible reason, like I'm like, okay, let's discuss vaccines and you tell me why. Sure. And then, 
so that we can have a discussion. I just want to know where you're at. Like, I don't want people to walk in and just say, well, because I I'm telling you, I don't want, you know what I mean? Like, can we have a conversation? Right. Well, 2020 happens. It exposes a ton of stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, here comes the bees are swarming out of the hive at this point. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so now, you know, I'm, and I've always been a very questionable person. Like I, Mm -hmm. I, a few things went ding, ding, ding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For instance, about 10 or 15 years ago, they told us through our little channels that they were going to probably sundown the polio vaccine because we haven't had a case of, of um, community acquired polio since like 1978 in the U S okay? in the United States. Okay. Yes. And so in, there was some in 98, but they thought that was from the actual vaccine. Right. Right. Um, especially oral, and that's why it went to injectable. Okay, so that was the big thing. We knew it transmitted orally, but not injectable. Um, and so, so I was, I remember thinking back, like, oh, okay, they'll just tell us when to stop doing it, right? It just won't become available. It'll be easy, mm-hmm. right? So in my head, I'm like, yeah, okay, no big deal. Ironically, 2020 comes around. I'm like, you know what? They never sun down polio. I never thought about it until 2020 when I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah they were supposed to stop that years ago. Like, why didn't it ever stop? And it it just didn't occur to me because in my day to day, I was just doing what I was doing. Right. (laughs) So, so you start to go, Whoa, wait a minute. Parents come into me now and they say, so what does my child need? I said, well, okay. Tell me a little bit about what's going on. Right. Is your kid going to daycare? No. Okay. Well then does they, do they really need anything? And Mm -hmm. they look at 14 heads. (laughs) And, um, you know, because they're like, yeah. what? Yeah. You know, my my <laughs> kid, my kiddos are you know fourteen and sixteen, and, and they've never been vaccinated, and that's a choice that we made as a family. And mm-hmm. my wife, she's a, an attorney and a research attorney, and so when we first initially had that conversation, and I was learning a lot just through my schooling, and I'm going like, okay, and I, if you would ask me, you know, I've been doing it about twenty years, so if I'd asked me, you know, twenty one years ago, I would have said, well, no, I would, you know, wouldn't you just do that? And then, as you said, now. I, I, my world, I wasn't trained as allopathic, you know, and that, so it was just a little, it was a little different avenue I went down, but then we, and I say this to parents all the time. I said, listen, get yourself informed. Ultimately, you're the one that makes the decision for your child and you should have that right, but know why you're making that decision. So when people say, so people ask me like, well, aren't you, you know, for us, like, well, you, are you afraid? Because you just said, no, I'm not afraid at all. Like actually quite the opposite for me. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't walk around every day worried if my kids are going to get, you know, measles. I just, I don't think about that. Um, I, I'm glad they have their immune system. Now that's, that's my choice. Now, if a parent says, but I would tell a parent too, like, Hey, just because I didn't, doesn't mean that you, you shouldn't, you need to know why you are or why you aren't both ways. You need to know why you are and why you aren't. We homeschool, same thing. I'm like, there's, I don't think that's the only way for somebody to, 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 to raise their kids or to school their kids. There is decisions that each family has to make individually. And I think that's, what's been hard to see. And I think you're right during COVID. A lot of people woke up to this because as the old saying goes, they saw how the sausage was made. Right. And it made them start to ask questions. Well, if we can throw COVID, you know, uh, you know, jab, technology, you know, that whole thing that fast, what in the heck? And then start, people start asking other questions. And sometimes when you start lifting up those rocks, you see things that you go, whoa, what, you know, and things that we just assumed. And, um, even like you said, well-meaning doctors that just kind of had trusted certain things, but things fell through the quack cracks, or you just said, well, my goodness, I don't have time to, to, I don't have time to look at every single thing and assume that they're lying to me, you know, to some degree. Well, no, Um, but it's, it's really strange because, you know, over the years I've given out tens of thousands of vaccine. Right. So, you you know, you would think that in a practice like mine and I'm very observant and we don't have attrition. 
Okay. So mm. I have, I'm on my second generation going towards a third generation right now right. where I've had parents that were my patients that now have their own kids that are now growing and having kids. Right. So I'm that old yeah. at this point. <laughs> so, um, so when you're, when you see this, right. And my attrition rate is very low. We, it's really strange. Cause I'm like, I don't, I remember people saying, you know, Oh, this is the autism mm -hmm. epidemic. So crazy. Right. I'm like, I'm not seeing it. Why mm -hmm. am I not seeing it? This is crazy. It should be in my office every single day. And it's not, I mean, I have a few, right. but it was, you know, like one of the kids I diagnosed at two weeks of age mm -hmm. and he didn't yeah. Right. So like, yeah. thank uh, goodness you weren't seeing it. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah. I'm like, there's gotta be more to this. So you have to understand, like when you come from a, from a perspective, like I did, I did not see, um, the horrors of mm. the vaccines, um, in your day -to -day. the way other people have seen them. And so I still don't think that all vaccines are horrible, horrible, horrible. I don't agree with a lot of their ingredients. Right. I think that they could be much more transparent. Right. Um, you know, I'm kind of that old historian that, you know, if there was a pockmark, let's scrape it off and scrape it into someone else's wound type thing, you know, just like they did in the old days. Um, you know, yeah, so yeah. that's where I come from. Um, so, you yeah. know, that is, that's just one of those, those things yeah. where, where I did not see, I saw the opposite. I saw the ravages of mm. illness and how it can kill people and that kind of fun stuff. So on the, on our side, on my side of yeah. this whole debate, I think right now you have to understand I'm one of these weird anal human beings that actually keeps the product information cards, mm. you know, the, the papers the inserts. that they're in our office open to anybody that wants to see them. I've had them for years. I have a, and now, so now what I want to do is actually go back. Cause you know, I have all this extra time now, apparently um, I go back and I want to read the old PIs and compare mm. them to the mm. PI. Because in the old PIs, one of the things, because aluminum kept coming up, right? People were like, right. there's aluminum sauce, yeah. there's aluminum sauce. Yeah, aluminum, yeah. Right. Well, thimerosal was never an issue in my office because I never, ever, ever, ever bought anything with preservative. Wow. I always bought Single preservative. Yeah. You know why? Because I was lazy and I didn't yeah. want to have a conversation about thimerosal. And I'm like, we don't have it. It doesn't matter. Interesting. It's fine. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I mean, that well, that, but you know what's interesting, Doc? <laughs> just, well, what's interesting, what you were saying earlier, and maybe it was just, uh, you know, um, you know, divine, if you will, but like the fact that you weren't using that in your practice, even though you were giving them might have, you know, who knows, might have been some of the reason you saw some of the less, less that you saw autism. Yeah. You know, possibly. That's, yeah. That's one of my, that's my theory is thimerosal is probably way worse than what we think it is. Mm. Um, that's number one. Um, number two though, is when you look at the PIs, cause I remember re reading through the PIs about product aluminum. inserts for the listeners. Yeah. The yeah, stuff I'm that comes sorry. in the, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, product no. information. Yeah. <laughs> The product information sheet that's inside the box of the vaccines on the very bottom, it tells you like for the product, like what is in the product. It actually tells you in there that the, at the end, um, at the time of distribution or whatever they call it, like at the end of, of the product line, like when they're finished making the product, it will say in there that the alum, the amount of aluminum measured is negligible. So they use words to hide it. Negligible. Trace, yeah, and I remember yeah. seeing this, right? Cause I'm like, well, what does that mean? Now I'm going, well, what does that mean? Like, mm. what is neg Like, does that mean that they couldn't measure it because they didn't have the yeah. tools to do it back then? <laughs> we think it's negligible because we don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Right. 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 So are they lying to, you know, again, I'm coming from a different perspective. Right. So I was like, Oh, well, negligible means negligible. Like they can't find it. Yeah. Like that's, that was me like, okay, it's not there. So when people are coming at me with, 
aluminum. I'm like, here's the PI, read it. It tells you at the very bottom, you know, this is, this is what I can go on. I can't go on anything else. This is what, here it is. Yeah. And I showed them the PIs and people think I'm nuts, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, I, and I would tell them, please show me something else. And if they would bring yeah. me like, the problem is, is a lot of people would bring me articles that were just lay articles. Yeah. Right. And so I'm like, look, yeah, not saying it's not true, but just saying it's hard to sit on it. It's hard it's to say. Hard, yeah. Yes. It was hard to swallow. Right. So now we're kind of, now I'm like, you know what, until you prove it to me, otherwise we're doing it the other way. You know? yeah. So now we're, we're it's almost <laughs> funny where we're discouraging people from getting vaccines. Um, but for years I told people recently in the last few years, actually with influenza, I'm like, you know, the efficacy rate of influenza was 36% a couple of years ago. So I told patients, I said, listen, it's, it doesn't even fit a vaccine definition, Mm -hmm. which is it has to be 50% efficacious for one year. It's not fitting the definition. It shouldn't even be on the market. And then last year it was 16%, one six. So you know what I was telling people to do is like, go roll in the dirt (laughs) Because if you roll in the dirt, then you're going to be much more um, immune uh, to influenza than if you got this stupid shot. There you go. And people were like, what? And I said, I'm never ordering it again in my practice again, ever, uh, ever, ever. You're awesome. Doc, you, you, yeah, you, I could, t- <laughs> I could talk. Roll in the you, dirt. Well, yeah, roll in the dirt. <laughs> like, it's so funny. I'm just, I, you know, and it's, and I, again, this is why I want to have people like you on the show. So, so people that are, you know, are out there, listen, some people, of course, they're probably not listening to a show like this if they're not into this stuff. So they're saying, I need everything, you know, give me every hand sanitizer and every bio, you know, clean, you know, super whatever. All, you know, it, I just, they're germaphobes and they're thisophobes and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, we've, we've really lived through this. I'm 45. We've lived through this generation where I think, I feel like we were one of the last generations that grew up in that kind of, it's okay to be in the dirt. It's okay to have the boogers. It's okay to, you know, now it became this hyper, you know, hygienic, you know, antimicrobial, antibacterial, you know, fear of germs. And then, and then COVID just made it go stupid, right? People are literally afraid of the air that's, you know, they've been wearing a mask alone in their car and this insanity. Um, and so I hope that it's people like you that, that can bring us back to reason. You're a reasonable, caring person, right? Nothing you're saying, even, and you have a right to say it if it wasn't, but everything you're saying is just logical. Like you said, how you thought, just tried to think through this step by step and say, well, you know, if A plus B is C, then, you know, what is this, what do we do here? And then all in the midst of that, encouraging and empowering our patients to know that ultimately between, at the end of the day, it's their healthcare, right? It's between them. I tell my patients, it's between you and God. I am here to help you, right? I am your cheerleader. I'm a support. I'll use my expertise that I have in my area to try to help you and encourage you. But at the end of the day, you have to make that decision for yourself. Don't hand that over to somebody else. Don't hand over to you. Don't hand over to me. Don't hand over to anybody. Um, you know, take care of that and empower yourself. And it's amazing when you do that, the results that you get. Do you, I want to give you last word. And if there's a way for patients to follow you, um, you know, kind of however you're comfortable with that. I'm sure that people fell in love listening to you and just saying, oh man, I wish she was my doc and they're all want to fly to Houston so you can be their pediatrician. Um, but do you, you know, mind? Because you guys are in Florida, right? <laughs> yeah, so in, there's a lot of freedom peds in, yeah, in yeah, Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so give us our give us our final word, kind of encourage our, our, our audience here and then let them know the best way to follow you and stay in touch with you. Yeah. So across all social media platforms, my... Um, my little handle there is Angie Farella MD. So A N G I E F as in Frank, A R E L L A M as in Mary D as in dog. 
Um, okay. So across all all of them, like Telegram, Facebook, all that stuff. Okay. Um, they still so on? If you survived, you're still on everything? Uh, yeah, kind of. Okay. <laughs> No, I know that those are actually, yes, those okay. are actually still kicking. My, um, my old Facebook got censored very, very heavily. Okay. Um, and probably still is uh, who knows? I don't know. Um, but that, that's one way, but you know, for parents, you know, just I, I trust your gut, you know, that's, that's the big thing for, for parents, kids bounce. They're very resilient. I always told adults like don't ever isolate yourself from a child because mm. number one they keep you young and number two they confer immunity by licking you so let the kids lick you um because that's a that's a huge thing you know if you want their immunity and you want to bounce let them lick you mm. um you know if, if it doesn't feel right don't do it mm. you know that's that's really kind of the basics of of what we're doing and you know they're going to come back with something else so you know if you mm. just try to restore your core keep your family healthy um, try to keep whole foods, non-toxics in the house. You yeah. know, there's plenty of companies out there that have non-toxic goods. There's plenty of places to buy organic. Use your local farmer if you can. Become your own local farmer if you can. Mm-hmm. You know, that's those are those are just some huge things that if we just get back to basics, um, and 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 shut off your televisions. Mm-hmm. Honest to goodness. Mm-hmm. I mean, nowadays it's like every commercial is something from a pharmaceutical company. Mm-hmm. Just shut the TV off. It's annoying anyway. Mm. Get your <laughs> get your information from other sources, which again is another silver lining of COVID. I mean, yeah. podcasters have gone crazy, right, and right, right. to a good that's good. That's yeah. not a bad. Thing. I think it's a great thing because it's getting away from from something that they're shoving down our throats. I never I never thought living in the United States of America mm. that you know I'd be equating a lot of our stuff to China, and mm. and I am, and I I'm a I'm a child of an immigrant. My mom came here via Germany. So, um, as a POW, so, um, you know, this is very near and dear. And a lot of the doctors that you see in this movement have some kind of connection to, you know, a communist regime that their family escaped. Mm. Um, so we don't want our country, our beloved country to turn into that. And Mm. so stand up for your kids, Mm. stand up for your family, stand up for yourself. So important. Amen. And don't be silent. Be silent no more. Amen. I mean, this, this we need to band together. And if you're quiet, we don't know which side you're on. Mm. We're just going to step right over you and keep moving forward. Mm. I mean, but it, it really does help if there's a crowd. Spread the blame. <laughs> I, had, I had a guy, I had a guy the other day. He sent me some stuff, and it was like you know, it's just some fear stuff from from you know mainstream media. And the next thing, it's going to kill everybody. He said, "What do we do? What do we do to protect ourselves?" And I said, "Shut off the TV." You know, yeah. like exactly, like you won't know it's there if you don't even see it because it's you know it's mostly just hype and and, and all of those things. Well, I, Doc, that is is such great advice. As a matter of fact, gave me uh, goosebumps listening to you just say that, and even especially your 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 background and um, even coming you know where your where your family is from, and so. It is people like you and others and, you know, everybody, a lot of times we're looking for somebody else or, or, or they'll say, oh, I'm not a doctor. I can't do it. I'm not a pediatrician. I can't do it. It doesn't matter. It, you're a parent. You're right. You're a person. And so everybody, none of us can do it all. We all love the leaders in the health freedom movement and we support them. But all the ones that I know, my friends of them, they all say, hey, listen, 
they all, they're almost offended when people say, Hey, thank you so much for what you do. And it's like, no, listen, just join us, right? Like speak up, show up. Some people are going to do it from behind. Some people are going to do it from the stage. Some people are going to do it in their homes, raising the next generation of kiddos. Like it all matters. And so doc, I know that you're, we're busy. We caught you in the middle of, of your shift here today, but just God bless you. Thank you for certainly being one of those that does not stay silent and uh, did show up for your patients, did take the Hippocratic Oath seriously and, uh, and have continued to show up. And we just pray nothing but just blessings for you, your patients, your practice, and your community, Doc. Take care. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Ben. All right. Take care. God, God bless. bless. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to support the show, give us a five-star review and share it with your tribe. To learn more about Dr. Ben's work, visit AchieveWellness.Clinic.